From Beta Cell and JDRF, this is Lunch Break, the midday live streaming show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Craig Steubing. We have people now watching on Beta Cell's Facebook page and JDRF's Twitch channel. We'll be taking questions from our viewers at the end of the show, so send them our way in the chat. I'm here today with track and field athlete Kate Hall. Hey, Kate. Hi. Joining us from Maine. Yes. When did you stop going outside? Has it been, do you know, do you have like checks on the wall? Have you been counting down the days since you've been stuck at home? Um, I haven't been counting down the days because I've been going outside and just doing some workouts and stuff. So luckily I've been able to stay somewhat active and busy. So it hasn't been totally bad. Um, but yeah, it's been a huge change going from really busy every single day, going places all day to just having so much downtime and being inside so much. It's a huge change. And has that affected your training? Because you can't go to gyms, right? Are gyms closed in Maine like they are here in Los Angeles? Yeah, gyms are closed in Maine. But luckily, um, my uncle, he works at a summer camp and there's no one there right now. And there's a gym at the camp. So I've been going and working out in this gym at the camp. And it's actually amazing because there's like a lake right there. And it's like kind of like a log cabin. It's like, okay, like this is this is pretty nice here by myself, just just working out. So I've, I've had some access, which makes it easier. So A literal training camp. <laughs> yeah. Personal for you. You have kind of an interesting training regimen, right? Is that how you would describe yeah, it? for sure. It's not a lot of the typical types of weightlifting exercises. So when you're communicating with your trainer now, is he able to come to the camp or are you doing all of that virtually? He's sending me the workouts. Okay. Every day he'll check in, see how I'm doing, and then we'll figure out what I'm doing for the day. I'm not really doing any track workouts right now because I'm not really supposed to go into any tracks are all locked up. Um, but he'll send me like the weight room workouts for the day and, and I'll go and do them. And luckily I know like all the exercises by now. So it's fine going by myself. So it's not too bad. Is it harder to stay motivated? Um, yes, some days just because like before I had just like my routine from day to day and I had a plan and goals for the season. And now it's just like all of that's thrown out the window. My routine is completely gone. So, I mean, I, I still enjoy working out every single day, but it's hard not knowing what's ahead. There's so many unknowns. So that's what's so hard about the situation. Unknowns in the sense of like looking ahead, like being able to plan future workouts, plan, you know, your meals, plan anything really. That and also I don't know how, like how long this is going to be going on for and when I'm even going to be competing next. I mean, the plan was to compete this month um, and then throughout the whole summer. But now that's not even on the table anymore. So there's just so many unknowns about when I'm competing and, and training and everything. So that's, that's definitely the hardest part about this. But I'm still working hard every day and that's what matters. So, And for people who don't know you. Um, you, your, your sport is long jump, right? That's your, your bread and butter. Yes. Long jump. Um, you still have the, you hold the high school record in long jump, yep. right? And you have two, your two NCAA titles, right? For long jump. Mm -hmm. Um, and for competing this summer, what you meant is you were going to be 
going to the Olympic trials, hopefully uh, doing well and then going to Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure once this all happened in the back of your head or, or somewhere in the sort of U.S. Olympic team group chat that I imagine there is, people were wondering if the Olympics were going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone was wondering because as soon as this started happening, like they were postponing and canceling like NHL and NBA. Um, and that's when we we're kind of like, oh, like what's going to happen with the Olympics? And then it started to get worse and worse. And then everyone wanted it postponed because it's like we can't even compete this summer to try to hit the Olympic standard. Um, and we need to have that time to hit it so that we can go to the Olympics. So without that time, it's not really fair to the athletes. And then we were also worrying about just the safety and the health of, of ourselves and everyone else in the general public. Um, so we were actually hoping that it was going to be postponed. Just it's the fair thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And it's, and it's the safe thing to do. So we were happy to hear that news. So it's, yeah, it's interesting that you would be relieved because I feel like most people would assume everyone would be really disappointed that they wouldn't be going this year. Yes, like we were all very disappointed that it didn't turn out the way we had planned for however much time it's been for the past year or more. But considering the circumstances, the right thing to do was to to postpone it. So I, I think the hardest thing was just having to sit and wait, not knowing if we were going to be competing or even be given the chance to hit that standard. So once we found out that it was postponed and we had a year to um, to keep training and to try to hit that standard, then I think we, we felt better about the situation. And does that worry you or excite you? Because I can imagine on one hand, you have a whole nother year of more training that you can just focus on this. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's another year. Anything can happen. You're a year older, um, more injuries. How do you how do you balance that expectation with sort of the, I don't know if fear is the right word, but kind of just the knowing in the back of your head that you know it's 12 more months. I mean, I've been trying to keep a positive attitude throughout all of this. So I think the positives in this is that, yes, it's, it's a year away, but I'm also young. Um, so a year from now, I could be um, in better shape or competing better and jumping better. Um, usually, I think the peak age for like long jumping is probably like 27, 28. So I'm still pretty young. So I could be better next year. And then just another year gives me more time to get stronger, faster, more powerful. So I'm just trying to keep that positive attitude and, and, and keep working towards that. So, And for uh, people who don't know you very well, so you, uh, you have this high school record in long jump, mm -hmm. went to college, and the training in college didn't quite match what you were doing in high school, right? They were trying to do you want to just talk a little bit about what that was like? Um, I think most high schoolers who are going to college um, with planning to compete in a collegiate sport, I think they have really high expectations and they think that they're going to go and it's going to be the best coaching they've ever had and the best experience ever. And they're going to accomplish all their dreams and it's going to be so amazing. Um, and I was really wrong and I went to college and it was completely different than what I thought. And it wasn't about the athletes at all. It was about scoring points and, and winning titles and making money. Um, 
And I, I know that the, the coaches, um, they didn't have the, the athlete's best interests at heart. Um, they didn't care that I had diabetes. Um, at one point, they were in charge of getting all of my supplies sent to me. And at one point, I didn't have, I had one box of pods left. Um, I'm on the Omnipod. And we were supposed to be leaving for the NCAA championships the next day. And they were supposed to get them sent to me. And I had one pod left in that box. And I got it the day before, the shipment the day before. And that was like totally unacceptable because like I'm supposed to be worrying about competing and the little things like staying hydrated and eating well and sleeping well. But now I'm stressing about whether I'm going to even get my supplies and be, be able to compete. Um, so it was a combination of that and just complete overtraining where my body felt like it was breaking and five hours a day of practices where it's just way too much and not the individual training that I was used to. So I made the change, left college a year early and went back to training and made with my coach who knows about type one diabetes and, um, and knows what works for me. And it's been amazing so far. So how much has he learned about diabetes from training with you? Yeah. I mean, he has been my coach since, um, I injured my hamstring back in middle school. So it's been a very long time that I've been working with him. So throughout those like 10, 10 years, I don't know exactly how many, but, um, he's done a lot of research on, um, type one diabetes and, and recovery that athletes need because type one athletes need, need more recovery than just any other athlete. So, um, yeah, he's, he's learned a lot and taught me a lot too about type one, which I think is pretty cool. So we have a pretty good uh, team going right now. So it's, it's great. Talk a little bit about why, uh, type ones need more recovery time. Like what's different for you compared to when you were in college, like your teammates? Yeah. So like when I was in college, I felt like during practices that I was like, at 80% when they are at like a hundred percent and every single day I felt like this. And when you're consistently training at 80%, um, you're going to be competing at 80%. So I felt like I needed that extra day, um, that I wasn't able to get, to get back to that 100%. And the reason for that is because it's harder to get your body into a rest and recovery mode or like parasympathetic tone um, because there's all these like stressors going inside your body from going on inside your body from high and low blood sugars constantly. Um, so you can't get your body to recover as easily. And I think that might be one reason why I don't always sleep super well at night too. It's because I can't get into that parasympathetic recovery tone. Um, so there's actually like pretty good research out there on this topic. And once I like found that research and my coach found it, we're like, wow, like this makes complete sense. Why I always felt like I was just a little bit behind my teammates in college. So now we can kind of, um, plan my workouts, what works for me and, and get the recovery that I need from day to day. So, so what does that change really result in? Like just more rest time than maybe your, you know, teammates or other people you're competing against are getting? kind of the philosophy that we have is like, I'm going to train really hard um, and really high intensity workouts for one or two days in a row. 
But then after that, I'm recovering for a day or two, which doesn't always mean just nothing. It means like active recovery or even like some slower runs just to get the heart rate up. So I'm still technically training. It's just more recovery workouts. Um, And then after like a day of recovery, then I'll go back to like a hard track day and a hard lift the next day. And we kind of cycle through that. So it's it's pretty cool. It, It works really well for me. So when you were in college, did you ever feel like you were at a disadvantage? Like here you are, you have type one. Mm-hmm. Everyone you're training with, everyone you're competing against doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did that feel like, I don't know, a disadvantage? Like you were going in with a handicap? Um, at some points I did. Usually with me, I would start out the season feeling really good. And then after going through so many hard workouts for months at a time, it started to kind of set in with my body where it's like, okay, you need to stop. You need to recover more. Um, and then my performances would just go downhill. Um, so I think at that point, that's when I kind of realized my body, like it needs rest and needs more recovery because I'm type one. So I think that's really the time where I would feel like I was at a disadvantage. And do you think even with that extra time, you know, that you're not training because you have to recover, um, you're still able to, you know, compete against the best? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with that time that I could be training, like I always felt like I was losing some of my time really because I could have been recovering like I was supposed to and then I could have trained more um and then I would have been able to compete a lot better at the same time but it really it didn't really work like that when I was in college so it was it was tough (laughs) I know I mean from my experience you know I I had played ice hockey basically until I was diagnosed with type 1 I was about 13 years old and then I didn't really do any competitive sports until after college, I got into running, which was about, I don't know, five or so years ago, five or six. And, you know, when I was training for a race, like a marathon, you know, I had my plan. And it was this day, I have to run this much, this day, I have to run this much, this day, I have to run. And if that plan ever had to change, because I went low halfway through a run, and I decided to stop, because I just felt terrible, or I had to, you know, walk a couple miles, it always felt like I was failing, Mm -hmm. I guess. Like it felt like, okay, diabetes had won. I can't be as good as I can be because I have this. Right, right. How do you you mentally get over that? Like how do you convince yourself that you do have what it takes? I mean, it's a lot easier now that I'm in a much better training atmosphere. with a coach that knows about type one um, and trains me individually. And I think what really works well is that we don't have a plan from week to week, like that's set in stone. We don't say, okay, Monday is going to be this and Tuesday is going to be this and um, so on. What we do is we take things just one day at a time, depending on how my workouts go, how I react to those workouts, how I feel the next day. So if I have two high intensity days in a row, 
Um, if I'm feeling awful the next day, then we'll just be like, okay, instead of doing a tempo run to get um, the heart rate up, let's just take it completely off and just do some like stretching and um, rolling or a massage. Or if I'm feeling good, then we'll say, okay, like, let's come in and, and we'll do this for a workout. So that works really well for me, because I feel like if I had a plan set in place from week to week, and I wasn't able to do exactly what was on that plan, I think I would really struggle. And I would feel like, oh, like, like you said, I failed, like, it would be it would be hard. But there's no plan set in place. It's just one day at a time, doing what feels is going to work for me for that day. And that really helps me a lot. So that's a good uh, philosophy in general, like, instead of having having a system that you know, you have to meet, like just get rid of the system. And now there's no expectations. Right. Do you, do you find that that has found its way into your diabetes management? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think something I used to struggle with is I would try to, I think, overanalyze things when it came to type one and, try to figure out how to make all these changes and it would just be overwhelming. And now I kind of have the mindset, well, let's just like make one change at a time. Let's try this one thing and see how it works. And if it doesn't work well, then then I'll go back and say, okay, well maybe let's try this instead. Or if it works well, then, then it, then it worked and it's, and it's good. Um, But that way it's just, it kind of takes away that stress and I'm not overanalyzing anymore. Um, so I think, yeah, like taking things one day at a time, is kind of similar with type one where it's just like focusing on one thing at a time and changing one thing at a time. And it's worked really well for me. And I imagine that's helping like right now amidst this pandemic, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen when you're going to be able to go out and train again. Is it just one day at a time, you wake up and just see what the day has in store? Yeah, exactly. I Actually, I'm writing a blog on it right now. And it's funny because I've barely watched like any Netflix throughout this. And I love like just finding a good series on Netflix and, and watching it. Um, but I've been taking things one day at a time, but I'm kind of taking this time to do things that I never really had time to do before. Um, like some home projects, um, like we put like a backsplash in the kitchen the other day and started gardening. Um, and I've actually been staying really busy and been feeling pretty good through all this. And it's just coming up with some sort of plan and then just taking things one day at a time and doing things that I haven't been able to that I wanted to do just because I've been so busy in the past. And I think that really helps with, with all of this. Yeah. Being flexible. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your blog, and you had a a post last year about yeah. the struggling diabetic. You know, you being, I'm just gonna say, like a superstar. You know, like athlete. Right. You might not like that term. <laughs> I think people expect you to be perfect all the time, not just when competing, but with diabetes. Is that true? That is true. That is very true. Um, and that uh, blog post that you're talking about is like my all time favorite one that 
I've written and I do a lot of talks and go and give speeches at um, JDRF events. And I never used to speak about any or anything negative in my talks, really. I only would like to focus on the positive just because um, I think just growing up, I was a somewhat positive person and I didn't want anyone to see like um, any emotion from me. But one night I was like really struggling with high blood sugar where I, I didn't know why it was high that night. And I just thought, wow, like, I don't like this. Like, I wish I didn't have type one. And I started writing that blog that night. And I realized because people would come up after me after my talks and ask, well, have you ever struggled? Like, what's something you struggled with in the past? And I would always wonder why, like, why do they want to know what I struggled with when I just gave this speech about like some cool things that I've done? Um, Because I thought that's what they wanted to hear. But I realized like it's they want to hear like the raw side of me where because they see me as this perfect um, athlete and perfect diabetic when that's not the case at all. Um, And honestly, like there's things I could be doing better every day with diabetes. And I thought it was important for other people to know that like I'm struggling just like everyone else and just like every other diabetic out there. Like I'm not perfect at all. And I think that's important for many people to know it's that I could be better and I'm struggling and that's okay. Cause every, every single diabetic out there struggles every single day and that's normal and that's okay. So. Yeah. Do you, do you pressure, do you feel a pressure to be perfect? If, you know, maybe from your doctors, from yourself, from social media to be the perfect diabetic? Um, I think I used to in the past. Um, I would go on social media and I would see a post where someone was like writing about their A1C and, and sometimes I would feel bad, like, Oh, like I wish my A1C was that good or my A1C was better. And I would kind of let that get to me. But now it's like, I don't, I don't really let it get to me just because I know that it's okay to not be perfect with this and it's okay to struggle and I'm still going to do what I can to improve, but it's about learning from the struggles to get better and and to improve in order to become, um, you know, just a better, better person and and better diabetic. So, and I'll say that, you know, there's, there's few times that your blood sugar is crazier than when you're doing something athletic, right? You're either dropping low or the adrenaline shooting you up. I know if I run, if I try and run my fastest 5k race, I'm ending that race with my Dexcom's got one, maybe two arrows going straight up. And so it's not conducive to maybe being a perfect diabetic. Um, but it's something you kind of have to come to terms with if you want to do the thing that you wanted, that you love to do. Exactly. How do you, I mean, how crazy do your blood sugars get when you're competing? I mean, you've got, you've got an Omnipod I see in your arm. They do. Um, you've got a Dexcom, I believe, right? I've seen the pictures. Um, how do you use that tech to, you know, not just pass out at the end of a jump? Yeah, so it's gotten a lot easier for sure, just because of the new technology that's always coming out. Um, Before, 
I struggled with lots of lows when I was working out, not competing when I was training. Um, pretty much any time I exercised in any way, I would just go low immediately. And I would even have like a snack before and it didn't help. Um, so I talked to a couple people and tried to get some advice from others who were struggling with the same thing. And I tried setting a temp basal about an hour and a half before my workout decreasing by like 50 or, or 40%. And that just like completely changed everything and made a huge difference where I wouldn't have a low during my workout or after my workout. It just worked so well. So it's so cool that this like technology, um, you can do these things where I wasn't able to do this however many years ago when I was diagnosed. Um, and then when I'm competing, it's just the other end where I go really high because of the adrenaline. But that's still something that I'm kind of learning about because I don't really go high until like midway through the competition. So mm. I start out the competition uh, with a really good number, usually like 140. So I think, oh, perfect. Like I don't need to do anything. Um, but then midway through the competition, I'll hear the beeping in the background. Oh no, it's happening. Um, and sometimes I'll end the competition with like 300, 400 blood sugar. Um, so I'm still kind of learning about that. But one thing I'm going to try is setting a temp basal to increase it. So mm. we'll see how that works for me. But every time I compete and train, it gets easier because I'm learning more and the technology out there is, is better and it's going to continue to get better. So, And that's something else that you have to deal with. It's not just you know the physical diabetes, but it's also the mental energy when you're there thinking about your blood sugar, when everyone else is just warming up, you know, just sort of clearing their mind, you're actually filling it with more and more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other day when I was training, um, it was one of the first times that I was training where I didn't even think about my blood sugar and what it was sure. doing. Um, like my blood sugar was good the whole time. I didn't even like look at my number at all. And I finished the workout. I'm like, wow, like, I didn't even think about diabetes or what my blood sugar was and it felt amazing. So I think it's only going to continue like that as it gets easier. So, And did that, that happen during this whole craziness being stuck at home? Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, you've eliminated all the other things in your life and you were able to just focus on, on working out. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, talking to other people, having community. Um, do you know lots of people with type 1 in your area? Or have you? how have you made friends with type 1? Yeah, so I don't really know many in my area at all. Any friends that I've made have been pretty much like over social media, um, which is, which is kind of cool about type 1 because – there are lots of type ones out there and I can reach out to them on social media and they can reach out to me. Um, so yeah, I have these connections on social media where I might go and ask someone a question or they'll ask me a question. So it's, it's pretty cool to have that. Yeah. Yeah. And that you find that that is as helpful as, you know, maybe it's like, it's like being able to have a team, a care team in between those three month endocrinologist visits. You can just be like, Right. Oh, I'm shooting up at 400, at, you know, at the end of this competition, what should I do? And people can just kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like being stuck at home, 
you know, even though you're not necessarily tied to your workout, a workout routine every week, has sort of the change in your routine affected how you manage type one? I imagine you're sitting like me on the couch a lot more, not moving as much. Um, actually, I, I've had a really good blood sugar. I didn't think I would at all because, yeah, if I'm sitting around a lot, then they will go high because whenever I've taken a break from working out in the past, I usually take a break like once a year for a couple of weeks or a month my blood sugars will like skyrocket throughout that whole break. But I have been able to stay pretty busy at home. Like I said, I've been doing some gardening and some projects around the house. So for the most part, my blood sugars have been pretty good and a little bit on the low side, which is like very surprising. So I was talking to my doctor on the phone the other day and he's like, well, if you're doing a lot around the house and that, then that makes sense. So I was like, okay, like I'll just try to keep staying busy. So I don't, I don't have high blood sugars. (laughs) Uh, We have a question. Um, Someone's uh, daughter is nine years old in type one. They want to know what age you were diagnosed. You were diagnosed 10, right? You were playing soccer, basketball at the time, right? Um, Any tips uh, for a nine-year-old? I think just set goals. Um, Work hard every day. Just do what normal kids do. Um, tell everyone about it. When I was diagnosed, um, I was scared that my friends were going to think that something was wrong with me because I had type one and I was scared to tell people at first. But once I told someone, um, they were actually amazed. Um, and I realized that other people thought that I was in some ways like a superhero because I was this young kid who had diabetes, but I would go out and just be like a normal kid and, and play and play sports and and be active. Um, So I thought, wow, like people actually think this is pretty cool that I, that I have diabetes and can still be a normal kid. So I actually started telling everyone um, and I got so much support and help um, and it was amazing. So I think that's that's one thing that's important for sure. And I have two more tech type questions. Uh, are you looping? No. Any interest in looping? I am waiting till the horizon, pod horizon, which should be next year. So I am anxiously waiting for that. I cannot wait. I'm curious what it will do when it sees your crazy blood sugars, you know, mid competition, if it will know what to do. I know. I know. That's that's something I'm wondering, too. But I, I cannot wait. I'm so excited for that. And another question, have you tried using Afreza, the inhalable insulin, to deal with highs while competing? Um, I have not. I have seen other people trying that, but... I'm one. Really? Uh, Yeah, I'm a puffer. What do you think? I love it. Okay. I love it. I love it for sports stuff because it's out of your system really quick. It's only in you for like, you know, 90 minutes where liquid insulin usually sticks in there a long time. So I can eat something right, you know, pretty much right before I work out. Right. It it hits you really fast. So if I'm high, just take a little puff and then, you know, 30 minutes, I'm back down. Definitely have to try that. Yeah, I would definitely look into that. That's all the time we have for today. Lunch Break is a production of Beta Cell and it's produced by me, Craig Steubing. Thanks to everyone watching on Facebook and Twitch. We'll be doing episodes every day at noon Pacific this week, so tune in to watch live 
or you can hear the next day on the podcast available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else podcasts are found. Our website is betacellpodcast.com. There you can find every episode of all of the Beta Cell shows. I think we're up to six now uh, to help get you get through staying at home. Beta Cell is a listener-supported show, which means that we rely on people like you to help pay our expenses. We don't get money from corporations. You can do that by joining our fan club. Uh, and as a thank you, we have a show just for our fan club members. And this Friday, we're doing a virtual hangout, much like this, just to chat with our fan club. You can find that also at betacellpodcast.com. And JDRF, who we're doing this with, is the leading global organization funding type 1 diabetes research. I still meet people who don't know what JDRF is, so look them up. They need your help to do the important work of improving the lives of people with type 1 through accelerating life-changing breakthroughs to cure, prevent, and treat type 1 diabetes and its complications. You can get involved with your local chapter or donate at jdrf.org. They also have a page full of coronavirus updates for people with type 1. Definitely bookmark that. Lastly, uh, Kate, you post a lot of videos of doing your own workouts uh, on your Instagram. We've all been sitting a lot at home the last few weeks. Can you give us a tip to stay fit while we're at home? Yes. So I definitely re recommend doing some body weight workouts. So sort of like push-ups or, or lunges, um, anything like that would work. Um, I actually love body weight workouts, so I've been doing them at home. So definitely give it a try. Thank you, Kate. Thanks everyone for watching. We will see you tomorrow. Go wash your hands.